HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's. Roberta'spizza.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. summertime in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and um, man, I really got to do something about the top of that show. Judy McGuire is still on permanent vacation. I suppose one of these days I'm going to have to fill that co-host seat, and of course our favorite pizza, Pizza Rumba, um, has been sitting in uh, pretty often, and he'll be back soon. But today's show, it's Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all you uh, fathers and would-be fathers, and um, <laughs> everybody out there, parents and kids. Uh, we're going to talk about TV dads today. We're going to talk about all sorts of uh, heartbreaking father child relationships. We're going to talk about TV and our special guest in making an encore appearance is our good friend, Kira Bolinick, who is the executive editor of Dame Magazine and writes about TV for New York and Vulture and uh, all sorts of places. Hi, Kara. Hi. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding? I love it when you come by. You're, you're like, like the dream guest because, because you talk and you're interesting. <laughs> well, thank you. How much of your job is actually watching television? You know, um, <laughs> less than it used to be, um, but... I, you realize this is a dream job to get paid to watch TV. Yes. Well, I, I you know, I used to do it more, it, you know, and I started as a, a book critic, but I Books. remember those. <laughs> yeah, those, those things. TV is so much easier. Um, well, I would procrastinate by watching TV and I thought I've got to justify this with um, <laughs> So I started pitching stories that were basically like book reviews of television because TV was heading in that direction anyway. So Well, they tell us we're living in some sort of golden age of TV now. That's that's what they keep talking about. But I, I, I will tell you that it pays just as well as book criticism. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, and, and somehow I think you're probably reaching more people. But, um, yeah, it would, be, it would be hard to argue that, like, Gilligan's Island and I Dream of Jeannie and the shit that I grew up with is actually better than the stuff we're watching. Hey, Brady now, Bunch was rich. Like Brady Bunch was rich. Like Mike, Mike Brady was dad, right? Yes. Yeah, how does Mike yeah, Brady... Oh, he took him 
him like what seven seasons, six seasons to get through Jonathan Livingston Siegel? <laughs> I just I actually, John, for another project I'm working on, just reread Jonathan Livingston Siegel, and it is as I recall when I was seven, the lamest, most banal, treacly, uh, like overworn. I mean, it makes Rod McEwen se- seem like Dante. Hey, I think it made Mike Brady's hair curl. I don't think that was a perm. <laughs> Um, well, we're going to talk about TV dads. I don't even—I can't even think of one thing Mike Brady did that made him distinguishable from—I don't know—from like uh, the, the couch in their living room. Um, I mean, I don't really feel like I, I have no memory sense of his personality. Um, he, you know, he he had talks with his three sons, and I, I don't remember him having any major talks with the girls. I think that kind oh, of fell God. to Alice and uh, and and Carol. Yeah, right. Alice the Maid, right? Yeah. I don't even remember the Brady. So it's, it's weird. We used to watch it all the time, and that show, yeah. I think about it now, so and it's insipid. just sort of this, like, suburban blah. Yeah. That really, you know, isn't as inspiring as, say, an astronaut who finds a genie in a bottle. Yeah. It was pretty <laughs> insipid. I mean, I, 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 didn't, I don't remember the Partridge Family episodes as clearly, but I remember it being a little edgier because she was divorced and she had that pal Ruben coming in, their manager coming over all the time. Right. Well, they, they had a psychedelic bus. Yes. I mean, they were sort of like the teeny bopper version of the Merry Pranksters. Yes. Without uh, the drugs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mike, <laughs> yeah. this is St. Liz from the booth. St. Liz uh, of the booth. What's happening? Sorry to interrupt, but uh, something very weird just happened. We, we actually have a, a caller on oh, the really? line. Oh, really? Our listener um, called in? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and connect you guys. All right. Ooh. Happy Father's Day, listener. What's going on? I can't, I can't believe you fired me, Mike. Oh, my God. Judy McGuire. Is that you, Judy McGuire? <laughs> Who else have you fired lately, you motherfucker? Judy, you ignorant slut. Oh, my God. I can't believe you. Where have you been? We miss you so much. This place well, hasn't know, been the I same without you. Oh, yes. You, well, <laughs> a pilgrim that you are. What happens in Queens stays in Queens. Uh, uh, <laughs> namely, Judy McGuire. Yeah. So you've been watching much television out there in Queens, Judy? I can't imagine what else you're doing. We watch, yes, we watch a lot of television. I can't believe it. They have TV in Queens. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Judy, there's something in my eye. (laughs) Is that a dust boat? (laughs) Well, this is just crazy. You should should come back, you know. See, you calling in, that makes it truly NPR for you. That is no pizza radio. See, we're going to be sitting here eating pizza in the Heritage uh, studio. You're missing the the awkward date table. Two people trying to pretend they're not at the same table. It's pretty good. Oh, wow, nice. Giving looks, going through Tinder while on a date. No, they're not really. I'm it's just a, kidding. It's a gold mine here, McGuire. Uh, I miss you. I miss you too terribly. Well, hang on. Join the show. You're here now. Thank you for calling. It's good that you're, you at least have an internet connection there in Queens. That's that's good. Um, uh, we're going to talk about we're talking about TV. What we've been watching, and um, I just finished watching the uh, got through all of Orange Is the New Black, the new season, and. Um, I, well, we have a new Jew. <laughs> we have yeah. that. I could say that for it. <laughs> I, 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 I love that it's Cindy. I love her. She's like one of my favorite characters. I, you know, I'm, I think, you know, especially with, uh, we were talking about this earlier with Rachel Dolezal on the news and the sort of appropriation of cultures and who is and can and cannot be. And uh, honestly, um, Kira and I were talking about this when we were, when we were doing our, our pre-show prep, which we do a lot of on this show. In other words, Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that was extensive. You know, um, it was yeah, too- it was a very, very <laughs> potent Bloody Mary. <laughs> That's it. I, I understand John Stewart works the same way. Um, but I'm terrified of what I can and cannot say when it comes to uh, matter, matters of race and, and gender and any sort of identity politics. And this is... Um, uh, you notice, by uh, the way, that Rachel Dolezal has been very quiet about Charleston. 
Suddenly, oh, yeah. as, a, as an NAACP well, former uh, president. Okay, nothing is good is going to come of her opening her mouth about like an atrocity like that. Uh, well, but as a human, as a human. She maybe she's hanging out at home, like spouting off, and like so maybe she's actually as an advisor, giving her some good advice for a change. But she was saying, so, shut the fuck yeah. up. She was so twenty four seven, and now she is a throwback Thursday. So, <laughs> such <laughs> such is the, the, new, the news cycle. Yes, good. Such, such is the news cycle. Are you watching Orange Is the New Black at all, Judy? I watched, you know, I watched the first two episodes the other night, and it starts starting slow. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, it always does start a little slow. It gets interesting, but it's not as good as the first two seasons. Uh, I, th- I want Piper to be killed or something. Everybody wants Piper to be killed. <laughs> you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but um, yeah, I'm on board. I'm, yeah. on, I'm on board with that. The yeah. whack, whack, hashtag whack Piper. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and you can take your girlfriend out while you're at it, too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they are sure. the least two interesting people on the whole show. Well, they've always talked about how they're the portal into this world. I mean, I think... I think I think even like real Piper has like said that that is well the, the real Piper. I mean, this, this show this year seems like it's it's really about the writers and not about the people on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. the things that are coming out of their, their mouths just seem like clever people in a writer's room, like clever white people in a writer's room. God, I probably just stepped in it. I'm mean, gonna get yelled and tell me that there are a lot of like you know African American women writing that show. But to me, it just feels like it's a little too smarty pants. It's a little too glib. The jokes are coming a little too fast. Um, and the whole Jewish Jewish conversion thing is a little weird because I am also wondering where she has access to Annie Hall. <laughs> you know, that's that's her major riff that she's gonna. Well, it's. It's it is a uh, well they had like what three VHSs laying around <laughs> and remember this is like a uh, like low security prison like no one's in there for anything major right We're, Martha Stewart's probably skulking around there in the background well, right there. and I think that they they had like a Paula I mean not to give anything away but they watch as like a sort of Paula Dean slash Martha Stewart mm-hmm. type person is probably on their on her way over there she's the she get I don't I can't. Right, remember. but those girls in in, in Orange in the Black. I mean, a lot of them are murderers. I think, but they're like domestic violence. They're like they're not anything. The woman they're murderers with a heart. Yes. Oh, that's okay. They're like self defense crimes. <laughs> they're not like you know. I do like the story angle. Um, Norma, who sort of like the cult leader. Oh, that was so that's, good. That's a real. That's one story angle I really like. And you would think I'd like. I'd like them like selling smelly panties. You would probably think arts and seizure host Mike Edison. <laughs> that's the storyline that I would be chasing. Yeah. But I, I like the cult leader because I thought there. Were, I thought there was a real sweetness to it. Actually, of yeah. course, she did push her guru off the edge of a cliff. Well, <laughs> he had it coming. Yeah, he was a dick. And well, in Flocka, I mean, that was like such a strange, like. Situation. She was selling fake acid. I know. <laughs> and the guy was having a you know a psychosomatic acid trip and jumped off a building. Like she was held culpable. And when I was watching, I was like, "Wow, really going to like you know print blotter?" And like thinking, I just didn't. The my idea of printing like hippie acid blotter in the ghetto to me was also a disconnect. Like that's really her plan. And are people really like still eating? But she wasn't. In a, she was in like a you know middle class. Uh, still, is that still a popular drug? I mean, I think all acid? drugs are. I think it was like exciting. I mean, kids love to trip. I, I did. I was very. I was what you'd call enthusiastic. Judy, what are you watching on TV these days? Well, I just started the Orange Is the New Black. What was it? Oh, I, of course, Mad Men. I sort of took off after that. Basically, I watch a lot of House Hunters International. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm kind of over the Housewives. I can't deal with listening to these women just yell at each other. I used to be a big fan. No more. I love Watch What Happens Live. Um, but, you know, I don't really... I, I'm not one of those people who's like, I don't have a television. But when uh, 
Bureau, my boyfriend is home. He generally hogs the remote. It's not just a cliche. So he watches crap that I have no interest in, so I usually just, like, do other oh, stuff. Do, oh, do tell. What does Bureau watch? Like, anything Bodybuilding with competitions? or, um, <laughs> you know, like Jack the Ripper type things, science fiction-y things, cartoons. Does he watch Orphan Black? No. See, that's your science fiction show. That that could. I'm not a big sci-fi person, but Tatiana Maslany is amazing. Maybe we'll watch that. Maybe yeah. it's something we could do together. Yeah. I usually hate science fiction, but I was thinking, like, you know, since it's Father's Day, about TV fathers. You were telling me that mm-hmm. I should think about. And you know the one TV father that's always eluded me is Mr. Partridge. <laughs> we were just talking yeah, about yeah. that. Uh, was there a Mr. Partridge? Uh, no, he was uh, he was in absentia. So Ruben kind of stepped in, the, the manager. But you know what? Apparently he existed, and she's a widow. But in the original, I started researching this because I also did extensive preparations for this. Really? Uh, you took the G train here too and scribbled something on the back of the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Susan Day, um, Susan Day's character, Laurie Partridge, said in the first pilot that, oh, we, we always knew you could sing, Mom, Shirley Jones, because you and Dad would sing Christmas carols until Dad got too drunk. Ooh. Really? I had no idea the Partridge, uh, the Partridge team came from such troubled... See, that's what made it better than, than the Brady Bunch, in addition to the fact that, you know, you had... Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna never talked about. I'm that. gonna put up Walter White as as as, as a great TV dad. I'm just gonna say right now because definitely because all the whole show starts from him trying to provide for his family. That's what the show's about. It's just a guy trying to provide for his family. That's all. Yep, I, I like selling myth. You know, and Tony Soprano too. Just a guy trying to provide well for his family. I mean, well, his, nucle- just, his nuclear family. family. I refer to in this case. He got it. I mean, he was a family business. That's the business he knew. He wasn't. You know. He was good at it. He was very good at it. I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Tony. I have for, for James Gandolfini. I like. Well, it. I always. I love James. You know Gandolfini. the crazy thing. Um, you know our, our society. I mean, he, um, Tony, and his friends are by any uh, definition mass murderers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as are like those charming fellows and good fellows. Yeah. I mean, they're they're mass murderers. I don't know. I don't think they get to be called serial killers. I don't think they fit the definition for that. But they are well, mass they, murderers. They mostly killed among themselves, and there was a oh, okay. there were a set of rules. Like if you you know fuck that shit up, like you, yeah, we don't kill cops. It's setting the bar yeah. pretty high for murder. I mean, I grew <laughs> up in a, in a town of uh, Chicago mobsters. Like I grew up with some of their kids, so. I, I mean, I'm not saying I, like, knew what the code was, but I knew that there was a code. So, um, like, I... I, appara- think, I think the mob ran into trouble when they started to relax that code. Like, it used to be no heroin, and then it's like, oh, yeah, heroin. Hey, that's a lucrative business. Well, maybe when construction was on, put on hold for... Yeah, then drugs were a big no-no. And you see that theme, though. You see that in Goodfellas. Paulie is really upset when Henry starts stealing drugs. And yeah. he tells him at the end, you know, no more of that shit. You know what I'm talking about. You had to do what you had to do when you are in the joint. Yeah. But no more of the shit. I mean, that's Henry, Henry Hill's downfall is doing drugs. Yeah. I re- there was this one great episode of The Sopranos. I remember when Meadow uh, was talking about queer theory. And they were talking about, like, the gay subtext of Billy Budd. And Tony was like, what? <laughs> Tony and Soprano discusses was, queer theory. You know, Tony and Carmelo were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. LGBTQA and M for mafia. Yeah. 
It rolls right off the tongue. LGBTQAM. Well, he wouldn't. Right. He didn't notice that. You know. So I mean, then they then they developed the story of 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 a gay mobster, and how that you know and. It, it was it was pretty fascinating the way. Oh, I, you know, that's why I forgot. I forgot, I forgot about that, oh. uh, that that whole thing because you know. And I'm again, I'm terrified. I don't know what I'm allowed to say without getting in trouble. You know, a friend of mine the other night says, you know, I was telling you, you know, who's a uh, outspoken, you know, journalist or something like, you know, and, and a feminist, and says, oh, I don't want to be a cis woman. I don't want to be a genetic girl or a genetic woman. I, I just want to be a, a woman. And and for this, she's getting shit for possibly not being, you know, she's for being possibly transphobic for just for wanting to be a woman. And I. Oh my god It's like I now have to Redefine myself I don't know what I can say I don't know how I can comment The, the Rachel Dolezal story I mean everybody I know Who said something about it It echoed like 9,000 times louder On the internet Than it probably would have In, in any other place And it just see There's so many ways To come at that story And I For a change Wisely kept my mouth Fucking shut <laughs> well, Yeah I think When in doubt Keep your mouth shut Is a pretty good idea Like yeah. just you know, listen to other. Well, and people. also listen. Listen is a big. Yeah, listening is is. Oh, listening is good. Believe it or not, I'm pretty big big, big on on listening. Been uh, re- reading a lot lately because uh, I don't. I've also, I realize I don't have to have the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good just to have the questions sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need to answer. You know, questions of uh, you know. Uh, Identity politics that seem to be pretty big these days. Well, I think with in terms of um, like trans politics, this is like an ever evolving language, and, and um, I mean everybody's learning. Um, some people, I would say, are a little less forgiving, and they need to also be open to the dialogue. I, I one of the things I love about Laverne Cox is that she has been a great ambassador um, between. Um, you know, cis people and, and trans people and, and kind of mediating the conversation um, and saying like, hey, you know, like we're all learning this, like we're all, you know, and so I, I really admire her. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of gay people who are really pissed off about... Everybody's pissed off. It's the internet. Yeah. It just seems like, you know... Uh Everybody seems to be agitated about about It's a something. generational thing. And I don't know a single person, though, uh, among my close friends, who aren't supportive and, and open and, and loving and, and believes in everybody's right to be themselves and to be true to their own heart. Not, I mean, not one person I know is in any way has any sort of prejudice of that and doesn't love, like, their entire community. And yet, we're all being sort of, I feel like we're being pushed into corners to define ourselves in ways It can get that, a little granular. That there are lines being drawn in the sand that I, I don't think should exist. It can get a little granular. I think sometimes it can get a little pedantic and academic when we have, like, to look at the more, you know, the broader strokes of America because we have some huge, as we keep seeing, there are big problems and we have to kind of stop fighting with each other when we know that, you know, we, we'll get there. Right now we have to look at the, you know, the bigger issues and maybe not some semantic issues or not focus on the semantic issues right now. That we have to be patient. That we're like, you know, working on this stuff. But it's also generational. It's it's also a generational thing. Um, so just kind of. So there's some breathing room and some learning space. Where's the Where's the Archie Bunker of the 21st century? Oh. <laughs> Speaking of great TV dads. Uh, yeah, we did. Or was he not a great TV dad? I don't know. I mean, that show well, was he pretty... Well, he loved... Oh, he loved Gloria. <laughs> Gloria. <laughs> he, he, no, he was very protective of her. He just happened to be, you know... I think you could be a horrible person and still be a good parent. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I think you could be very attentive and, and protective of your kid and nece- not necessarily... 
I mean, look, I think that there are people who are really great people and have great values but are not attentive to their children and are That's not necessarily true. good people. I mean, good parents. Or, yeah, or, I mean, I know a very limited person who's actually pretty stupid, but he is a very good dad to his daughter in some ways. She'll, yeah. she'll never, she'll never like, learn much from him, but he, you know... He takes her to gymnastics. And, <laughs> but he know. takes her to gymnastics. You know, there's a lot to be said for a parent who's very present and and does all those things. Because there are parents who just... You know, I, I agree with this. You know, as someone who was um, largely left to my own uh, growing up, um, I mean, patience, unconditional love, someone driving to Little League would, mm-hmm. would have gone a great distance. I don't necessarily need my dad to be... Um, uh, a championship Olympic athlete, right. for instance, uh, like Bruce Jenner mm-hmm. um, was. And I, I was trying to figure this out because we were talking about this. I am so clueless when it comes to the Kardashians. Um, apparently, someone told me it was a big deal that Caitlyn is spelled with a C because that was like sort of also. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> setting herself apart from right. a family of K's. And you reminded me before how this all started with a sex tape and it goes all the way back to OJ. I had no idea. It just doesn't occur to me. And I, I have, like I said, no intellectual high ground to claim when it comes to watching television, being a wrestling fan such as I am. But I, the, the whole Kardashian uh, phenomenon escapes. Well, me. Robert Kardashian was uh, was one of uh, was was one of um, OJ's defense lawyers right. and his close friend too. Yeah. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't really get the Kardashian thing either. But I also don't get the the virulent hatred towards them. To me, they're just like. You know, they're like lollipops or something. They're just something, like, <laughs> sweet. And sometimes I watch their show because they all speak in this monotone that's very soothing, and they never get upset, and their faces don't really move because they've got so many fillers and um, so much Botox. So it's sort of like listening point. to a hypnotism tape and watching it like everything's pretty, except for when Scott gets drunk and does something crazy. But it's mostly just like... Oh, yeah, you know, and it, it can, it makes, it's sort of like, I can see it's like, like some sort of drug. Yeah, I, I confess, I really watched, I watched Growing Up Gotti when that was running, when I still had my TV plugged in. I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. If there were a Growing Up Gotti marathon, it was like, it was like someone sent like, like, like a satellite observer probe to another planet. And this was the signal that came beaming back, you know, from like their house. Their house the was Gotti's that house. the Victoria Gotti show? Yeah, yeah. And there are kids who like, I mean, I love it when shows are like taking place in Long Island and it requires subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't take my eyes off it. It was like amazing that this like these sort of things grew up in this petri dish, and um, she's a piece of work too, Victoria, yeah. of course. But man, oh. I but I mean I, I mean for reality shows, I mean I, I could not take my eyes off of that. So That's maybe if I start watching the Kardashians, maybe I'd end up liking it. That's kind of scary. <laughs> Probably not. But you know, there's I don't really see that there's anything to hate or like. They're not a bright people. <laughs> <laughs> They're just God's children. And I include children. Caitlin in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. You know. I. I just. I just don't have that kind of hate in me. I don't know anything about them. I don't see them it's doing any real harm. I, yeah. I mean. I agree with Judy on this. There's nothing to hate. There's just nothing to like. Yeah, yeah. I, and I gotta save my hatred for like real people who are really doing harm yeah. and really hurting like other every single people. GOP candidate. Oh my motherfuckers! There's just a bunch of trolls that I hope cancel each other out because one is dumber than the next. Oh, I gotta tell you though, Donald, I loved watching Donald Trump. I watched it in its oh, entirety, the whole yeah, hour. Yes, I mean, 
entertaining. Uh, okay, that was awesome. And it's the wrestling fan in me. Yeah. And especially when it was cut into like little bits, I was like, that was the greatest promo as we get in wrestling. You know, the shoot a promo. It's like, with a, you know, some guy, I'm going to see you next month in the arena. And, and, you know, that was the greatest. I mean, it just made no sense. It was rambling. I mean, I mean his entrance on the escalator. The whole thing was just like, I mean, it was it was, it was really fast. just jaw-dropping. The as, thing about like, when was the last time we won anything? You know who I sold my apartment to? <laughs> China. <laughs> Did you see? Did you see the post? Of course, the post called referred to him as that charismatic billionaire. <laughs> what? I refer to him as that douchebag with a carport for a head. Oh my god! Seriously. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, I, boy, oh boy, I used to I used to want to write about politics. It was sort of a dream of mine. Is like to be that guy. And now is the last job in the world I would ever possibly want. I'm so I could barely even read about it. I I feel like I want to take a shower after reading the New York Post. Oh my god. There's, there isn't anything. I, I just feel like we're dealing with two different groups of people. I mean, I, I'm not saying like I love, you know, Hillary so much. Although, I mean, but she's just like a different level of intelligence. Like yeah. she and Bernie Sanders are having a completely different conversation than, you know. The 15 people who declared, you know, that they're running for the GOP nomination. Well, it's all bullshit because we all know that, I mean, at least 10 of those 15, probably more than that, are doing it just for a quick cash grab and to write a book and be on TV. And, you know, maybe they think they could become vice president. Speaking of vice president, though, we're talking about about Veep. Let's uh, quick transition because I love the fictional White House as I do fictional high school Mm -hmm. uh, scenarios. And I I can't get with Veep. I really wanted to watch it. You know, I, 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 I love. Um, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. I think she's she's awesome. Um, I just think it is such buffoonery. Uh, was the word you used? Like, I can't believe her staff is that dumb. I think it's just like so unrealistic, and the jokes are just kind of like I, I don't know. I just want something sharper for my political satire. It gets really. It starts off funny and a little bit broad, and then four or five episodes into it, gets really dark. Dark. Yeah. No, it gets really? dark. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe we were spoiled by the by the you know hopeless idealism of the white wing, uh, the West Wing. Yeah, no, there's no idealism. <laughs> the, white wing. the white wing. Oh, yeah, that's that, it. That's appropriate. This, sh- this show's over. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> well, it was the white wing. Uh, it, it was right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's that. No, no, no. He he had a black assistant. Oh, that's, oh, right. I that's right. He did, he did but, have that one. <laughs> uh, but actually, wait, no. And um, the father from Good Times is the Joint Chief of Staff. Oh, that's right. Okay, we we're talking about TV dads, right? Yeah. Right. Um, he was a great dad. Uh, the, the oh, he just dad. came. He just. He actually. That was interesting. He just uh, was talking to the press recently about why he left the show, um, why he left Good Times, because he felt that Norman Lear was um, really focusing on Jimmy Walker's character, which was like a, you know too stereotypical and and not really focusing enough on like the family drama. Um, which it had started out as, um, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, no, I can't, I can't, I can't endorse this." And so, yeah, it was, it was kind of minstrelly, like, yeah. Wow, that's good. Someone walked away from good times for a crisis of consciousness. Yeah, Conscious, he just said, "This is conscience. turning into a minstrel show, and I can't, I can't abide this." Well, well right on. What, good. Uh, what? Um, I'm trying to think what black comedies are happening happening now in, in, in that tradition. Um, you know, I was trying to think of this, and. Um, on mainstream television, well, Blackish, which is a really good show and did really well mm-hmm. this past season, has got renewed. Um, but there is a, there is a real, you know, and then Shonda Rhimes is just like kicking ass. But there's their dramas, 
um, Empire is doing extremely well, um, but there aren't com- we haven't seen a lot of sitcoms. You know, I'm looking at the sort of list that I scribbled down about the great TV dads, and this was just, you know, this is like back of an envelope kind of like show prep. <laughs> um, and the only black dad I have on here is Bill Cosby. Well, oh, boy. Uh, I know. It's, it's, it's fucked up. Um, who turned out to be a worse you know, guy than Walter White in actual real life. Um, but the I, like, Walton dad was great. The, Wal- the Waltons, I was not a big Walton fan, but definitely he was like, he could have been like America's dad. Oh, how about uh, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder, uh, Mike, Michael Landon? Oh, yeah. He is like a great dad. And Dan Connor, I was saying. D- on uh, the on Roseanne, Dan, Dan Connor was good. I have I, I got Tim Taylor on my list. Okay, this is oh yeah, Coach Taylor, <laughs> Coach Taylor on uh, Friday Night Lights. No, oh, no, no, oh no, oh Coach Taylor, t- t- uh, I wore Taylor. I love Friday Night Lights. I was thinking of Tim, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tim t- Tyler or Taylor. Now I'm forgetting it from Tool Time. Oh, I, oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, oh. Uh, Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Oh, yeah, he was a good dad. I thought so. I mean, it, you know, I thought he was, like, solid and could laugh at himself. Yeah. Is, I mean, these are, see, I look at TV dads sort of through this prism of having had, like, a really kind of, like, uh, absentee dad who yeah. really, you know. So every time I see anybody who's, like, actually caring about their children, I'm like, oh, this is, like, so nice. And well, he was, like, thoughtful, and he had a personality, and, you know, and he shared his work with his kids, and he was, you know, he was kind of a fuck-up, but yet a really strong role model. There was a sexy um, dad on My So-Called Life. But, you know, there was these, he was sort of ineffectual, as was the father on um, on Freaks and Geeks, played by... Uh, oh, right, yeah. Was, the Second was, City uh, TV fellow, right? Yeah. Right? Was Count, it? Count, Count Floyd. Yeah, well, what's that guy's <laughs> yeah, name? Freaks, Freaks and Geeks. Whereas Becky Ann Baker was, like, the best mom on that show. She was so good. Uh, I don't watch Family Guy, so I can't um, really comment on that dad, but um, I think uh, he sort of always sort of held up, like, as, you know, as the heir to Homer Simpson. I love that you have Homer Simpson on there. Oh, well, Homer Simpson. See, I mean, he says he says all these things that actually sound like my actual father when he tells Bart. <laughs> he says to Bart, he goes, he goes, Bart, trying is just the first step on the road to failure. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much the message that drilled into me as a kid. <laughs> so funny. Uh, um, what about Marty Crane? Who? Yeah, Fraser Crane's dad. The Fra- oh, doctor, yeah. Both Dr. Fra- Dr. Crane. Dr. Crane and Dr. Well, Crane. Well, yeah, you know, that's an interesting situation because, you know, he drew, he raised these two really pretentious boys and they were really condescending to him. But he, you know, he was but, a very present father. He was a cop. He was a veteran. Yeah. He was there. He yeah. was cool. He was a great dad. And they were kind of like, even though they were taking care of him, they were really kind of shitty to him. Maybe that he wasn't really their father. That's maybe their mom fooled around or something. Because there's no way they came out of him. They were such jerks. <laughs> Although you know, you'd be, you'd be amazed. Nature, nurture, nature, nurture. You know, how about I love the '70s show Dad, whose name I don't actually remember on the show, but it's um the actor is Kurtwood Smith, who's like such a great heel. You know, he's like he's like the bad guy in RoboCop or something. Yeah. I mean, I oh, love the idea. Of Walter White, Malcolm in the Middle. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He's, how he's great on yeah. I remember there was one episode where she was shaving his back. <laughs> With a bick. Like, I mean, not even like a shick, but a bick. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm misremembering, but I seem to remember that it was like, you know, she wasn't like using an electric razor or yeah. anything like that. It I was... think my mother used Nair on my father. Oh. No, I just made that up. That's not, that's not, that's, that's, that's I mean, my child was fucked up with her, you know. <laughs> um, Al Bundy, whatever happened. I mean, and Ed O'Neill's got this great career, too. Oh, he... I love that, like, I don't watch, actually, I don't watch that much TV. Well, he's on, fa- uh, on um, Modern Family. But I think he's been working, like, steadily. And I, cause it's so weird. There seemed to be, like, almost like a repertory company of TV actors. And I'm always surprised. Um, 
you know, know. I mean, Craig T. Nelson's on fucking everything. Yeah. <laughs> Although now he's in out with Sofia coach. Vergara on Modern Family too. Yeah, he's That's- married to Sofia Vergara, and, um, <laughs> so he's like a stepfather. Or no, do they? Yeah, he's a stepfather to a much younger kid, and then he's got his adult children. It's hard to tell if he's a good dad. <laughs> on Modern Family. I mean, he loves his kids, but he's kind of an oaf. Wow. Well, you know, Judy, it's been the fastest half hour on the internet. I um, can't believe it's over. I, I, I know. We're going to get pizza. How about you? I'm going to have some fresh lemonade on the lanai. Oh, Judy's getting high on the lanai out there in Queens. Hey, <laughs> nice. before we go, I want to ask you something, though, Judy. Thank you for calling in. I, I miss you desperately. And please come back and do the show in person and eat pizza with us. When's I the, will. When's the last time uh, something on TV made you cry? Madman, I cried three times during the last episode. Yeah, uh, the penultimate episode for me. That was a good one. All right. I'm going to have to start watching Mad Men. Oddly, I, I think when it was first rolling, the reason I didn't watch it was because I was afraid I was going to like it. It's, it, it, it. There are times where you're not going to like it, but it's really good. Because I'm a sucker. I get started on one of, on one of these shows. I start binge watching. I'm like everybody else. I'll just one more episode. I'll yeah. just one more episode. Oh, yeah. And I'm watching There's it. There's a Portlandia uh, sketch about this very thing. Exactly. About, like, you know, electricity bill gets shut off. Everything. <laughs> like, these people just can't go to work anymore. They, you know. Well, this is why God gave me the iPhone 6 so I can watch Portlandia in the bathroom. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have been, I'm not above watching sketches in the bathroom. <laughs> All right. We got to go, though. It has been the fastest half hour uh, on the internet today. Arts and Seizures. Kira, thanks so much. Kira Balnick, Dame Magazine. You're kicking ass over there. And please come back. I I will. I'd be happy to. And uh, Judy, please come back. I will. Great talking to both of you. Hi, Kira. I'll talk to you soon. All right. So thanks to everybody out there in Radio Land and the Heritage Radio Network. Please remember, we are listener supported. So click that button that says be a member. And uh, yeah, be somebody. Thanks to uh, St. Elizabeth of the Booth and everyone in Listener Land. We're going to see you real soon. Uh, For Kira and Judy, this is Mike Edison on ArtSense. This is a seizure. See ya. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.